For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You know, I think it's funny that we have not completely at all programs officially uh, started spring practices around your SEC, and yet apparently two Kentucky players are squabbling right in the locker room. Apparently, uh, former Tennessee offensive line uh, Mincy uh, was throwing down, picked up a guy, suplexed him like his name was Kurt Angle. What is going on at Kentucky? Suplex City. Now, I, I got to admit, I have no real context on this. I don't know when this fight happened. Um, but <laughs> people overreact to a lot of this. I think the best thing about that fighting video that surfaced today on social media between two co- two Kentucky football players was that the song in the background is Nuck If You Buck, right? Like, there's no other song that if you are having a fight in the locker room that you can have being played in the background than Nuck If You Buck. Now, non-traditional or, or, or casual football fans will look at that fight and say to themselves, Oh, my God, what's going on? Guys, nothing. Fights like this happen all the time. So, it is what it is. You're just seeing it because of the new age of technology. Now, there is one pet peeve of mine that I always have. I don't like dudes that take their phones and start recording a fight. Look, dude, it's two teammates. Let them get it in. Let them throw a couple of punches 
and then break them up. Why you got to video it, I, I don't know. It, it just, you know, it ne- and I'm in social media. It just never really crosses my mind. Now, I have not seen a good fight in a while. You know, I did see two meth hobos fighting about two months ago uh, in my hometown. That was really fun. You know, watching two hobos squabble. No telling what they were fighting over. Who gets the last crystal of meth? You know, like, I mean, what are they fighting over? But nevertheless, we got lots to talk about. <laughs> Shout out to Mark Stoops. Maybe it's why Mark Stoops wanted to leave. Why he wanted to go to AM. But I will tell you, hopefully they're fighting more and doing more on the field than they are off in the locker room. I just thought that that was funny. We got lots to talk about today in our episode three of Around Your SEC as we continue our series here and we'll continue it all through baseball season, basketball season. This is going to be more college football leaning, uh, but we're going to start it now and ready for the football season. We'll be doing this throughout the football year too. Uh, But a lot of things that we need to talk about, the realistic expectations for Texas in the SEC, we touch on that uh, here today. We go up to Arkansas, so from Texas, from Austin, we go up to Arkansas. Is this the last chance for Sam Pittman? We'll discuss that as well. And David Waters from Gators Breakdown joins us. Now, this is a recorded thing that we did with Dave. He couldn't join us live today. We'll go down to Gainesville, and we will see what is going on with the Florida Gators. Man, just how bad is it in Florida? So I appreciate Gator Dave taking some time out with us uh, to talk about Billy Napier. So lots to discuss, lots going on. A lot of uh, of camps are starting this week and next. I'm sure we'll get some guests on to talk about it from around uh, your SEC. Got a couple comments in here already. Jared says, will LSU go after Jacoby Matthews? Jared, I would just ask, um, well, let me just say it like this. This is our Around Your SEC show. Uh, I will just tell you, I, I think that both sides are going to do some a lot of preliminary stuff. Uh, Don Juan on YouTube. We talked about it, Jared, very quickly. We talked about it a lot last night, so you can go check out last night's show after this one. Uh, Don Juan says, I hate Texas, but I think they will be very good this year and win a championship if their pass defense is improved. Well, one guy that we're going to talk a little bit about here today is Trey Moore, the defensive end edge guy that they got from UTSA. How does he translate his talents to the SEC? I'm not uh, – look, I do think that they, at minimum, like their floor may be 10 wins in the SEC this year, Don Juan. I, I do – agree with you there uh their schedule is very favorable now they do have a tough game they got to go to the big house in michigan i, th- I still think that that's a tough game because michigan has a really good defense they got oklahoma do they do they get revenge on their bitter rivals of oklahoma but they got georgia um that's that's about it man i mean maybe at the end where you got kentucky and a&m you go to a&m their schedule is pretty light for their first year in the sec um, so we'll talk on that. But look, they do have a lot of talent. They added a lot of wide receiver depth that I do think that they needed. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about Quinn Ewers uh, as well. So it, it's crazy because the first year that they're in the in the SEC, they get Vandy too. Like there should be a prerequisite that once you join the SEC, 
right? Like once you join, you you are unallowed to play Vandy in football. Right? That should be like, hey, you can come here, but you cannot play Vandy. And I'm not a thousand percent sure, to be honest with you, that the SEC didn't make this schedule very favorable for them. They made Oklahoma's schedule very tough. Now, we'll see how real Georgia or Texas is when Georgia comes to town. And it's a game that we'll we'll preview and talk about a lot here. But I mean, outside of that, man, every game going to the big house, going to Michigan's gonna be tough. I, I don't I know that Harbaugh's out the door. Man, they got a lot of good pieces on defense in Michigan. A lot of really good pieces. So that's going to be an interesting game as well. I think that obviously they beat Florida. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk on it. We'll talk on it. Blake says, Saville, I hope I'm saying that right. Saville says that he is here, but he's listening from Africa. How about that? What time is it in Africa? Thank you for joining us all the way from another continent. That's how you know it's real. Lance says, good morning, Big Blake. Good morning to you as well, sir. Christopher Robin. Where do I know this name from? Christopher Robin. Oh, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Good evening or good morning to you, Chris. What a hell of a name. That's a hell of a name. That's a great name, Christopher Robin. Uh, Paul Frank says, horns down. Yeah. I wonder if the SEC is going to do penalties for horns down, too. They better not. They better not. Greg Sankey better not be that soft. Don't do it, Greg. Don't be a Rudy Poo. Don't do it. Uh, Jude says, watching from the 512, I see burnt orange too much. Yeah, 512 is the Austin area, is it not? He says, luckily, there are some LSU flags in my neighborhood to balance it out. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, Blake says, it's 6, 10 p.m. in Africa. What you doing out there, Blake, man? What you, I mean, what, what you got going on out there? Yes, indeed. HB says he's watching from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Beautiful part of the country up there. Now, I, we did go through Chattanooga uh maybe two or three years ago and they were doing a lot of uh, uh interstate construction dude there was a lot of people up there in chattanooga what a hell of a name too way down yonder on the chattanooga oh wait that's not how it goes that's not what alan jackson uh, uh was saying You're saying chattahoochee but yeah chattanooga is a very beautiful uh place uh chris lomax says let's go from covington tennessee good to have you in here uh, as well, Chris, we appreciate all of you for being in here on our episode three of Around uh, Your SEC. So, look, we got lots to discuss. We got Gator Dave um, coming up here shortly. We go to Gainesville. Is Billy Napier on his way out? We talk a little bit about Arkansas and Sam Pittman, and we'll open up with Texas. Can Texas make the playoff year one in the SEC? Um, I think it might be highly likely, but are there some concerns? that Texas may have. We'll, we'll discuss all of that. All right, let's get rolling. Everybody do us a favor by hitting the like and share. If you're on Facebook, do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit the share. Share to all those SEC groups. Share to all of your social media pages. If you're watching us, listening to us on YouTube, like, subscribe, notification bell, wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate you 
doing that. Let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag and our good friends over at Homefield Apparel. Stay with us. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live, in-game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. Rafino and Joe Show is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, which is the best, without a doubt, premium collegiate apparel brand that is out there. They have over 150 different colleges that you can choose from, whether you're an Illinois fan or a Rutgers fan. Maybe you're an LSU fan like Blake, or maybe you're an Alabama fan. Whatever it is, even Idaho, they have so many different designs for so many different football programs that I can guarantee you're going to find some great stuff to help root for your favorite team. I've already gotten my Notre Dame stuff. Blake has his LSU stuff. Make sure you head on over to homefieldapparel.com to check out your team's collection of clothing apparel that they have on the website. And when you do so, when you check out, make sure you use promo code Rafino Joe to get 15% off your order. That is R-U-F-F-I-N-O Rafino Joe. Head on over to homefieldapparel.com and get your college gear today. We're back. You know, we play that every night on Rafino and Joe show and AYS, and it's very fitting that we're talking about Texas uh, here today, and we have that sound. Stacey Harrell says, what's up, Blake? From the 931 Chapel Hill, Tennessee. A lot of people in, Ch- in Tennessee watching the show here today. Uh, Henry Edwards says he's in Iowa this morning. Good to have you in here, Henry, from the state of Iowa, the home that Caitlin Clark built. Uh, B-Dog says, watching from Madisonville, Louisiana, what's your expectations defensively uh, for LSU this upcoming season? Um, We talked about that a lot last night, too. Just very quickly, B-Dog, I think for me, just better overall uh, 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 X's and O's defensively. I don't know specifically if you will be better necessarily from a personnel situation. Maybe you will be. Um, but I just think you're going to be more multiple and more dynamic. I think you get more stops. You're you're able to get off the field. Maybe you see some LSU defenses to the, the extent of um, what you had seen in the past. Um, just flying around, getting after the quarterback. That may be something uh, that you could possibly see. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we, talk, we talked about that uh, a lot last night, so you can go check out the show uh, on that. Paul Franks is, Franks is in Villeplatte, Louisiana. Loves the show. Love you for being in here. Paul A.J. Bama says he's watching from his office. 
uh, in Birmingham, and Michelle is listening from Lincolntown, Georgia. Good to have you all uh, in here with us. Let's talk a little bit about this because I do think it's really interesting uh, as well. Let's go to a new member. Um, let's start like this. You know, it's interesting. A, a lot of my shows that we do, we always start off with this sound. We're back. And obviously, that is former uh, Texas quarterback uh, that says that we're back. And it's been a big thing in college football uh, uh, for a lot of things. The ultimate question here is, is Texas really back? What do they do? What do they look like in the SEC? Can they make the move from the Big 12? The dominance that they had last year under Steve Sarkeesian, getting and winning the Big 12, getting to the playoff, really playing really hard and tough against a Washington team that made it to the national title. What is the expectation from the University of Texas this year uh, under Steve Sarkeesian? Listen, let me start off with this. I do think that Texas, when we talk about them in their first year in the SEC, they have a very favorable schedule. They open up the season with Colorado State. They do go to the big house, which I do think is a tough game. But when you talk about the teams and everybody that they are playing, okay, in the beginning of all this, or the beginning of the season, you got UTSA, uh, UL Monroe, Oklahoma, which is going to be a tough game, a big rivalry game, and Georgia. So you the, the, the first part of Texas's schedule is easily the toughest part, even though they play ULM, UTSA, and Colorado State. Because they have Michigan, Oklahoma, Georgia. After that, they do not play a lot of tough opponents. Look, they have Vandy, or they go to Nashville, they go to Vandy, they got... Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Florida at Arkansas. We'll talk about Sam Pittman and the Razorbacks here a little bit later. Uh, Kentucky and AM. Maybe the AM game is tough because that's a bitter rival. You haven't played them in over a decade. You're going to College Station. That might be a tough one. The question has always been, how does Texas get through week to week in the SEC? Well, the problem with this is, I don't know if they don't get through the SEC very favorably considering what their schedule is. Now, again, the the first part of their schedule, even when they play three uh, G5 opponents, it still is the toughest part of their schedule. They don't have the gauntlet necessarily um, that maybe a South Carolina has. Look, they don't play an LSU and an Ole Miss. They don't have to play an Alabama again. The toughest SEC game that they have this year, outside of their bitter rival in Oklahoma, is going to be the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, they play host to the team who arguably is running the conference right now with Kirby Smart and the Dogs. That is going to be their big key test. Can they knock off arguably the top dog in the SEC when they come to town uh, after they play Oklahoma and Dallas? 
the question is not if I think that Texas is going to make the playoff. It's do they slip up against any of these teams in the later part of their schedule? I don't know if I see a world that they slip up to a Vandy or a Florida or an Arkansas, Kentucky. Maybe Kentucky can be a trap game, but that game's at home. I, I, I just don't see it. And you got at A&M. Here's what I do think, though, is something that I'm going to obviously talk about and keep my mind on even going into the season with Texas. The last two years, their quarterback, Quinn Ewers, has been hurt. Obviously, last year, he got a little nicked up, was able to come back and played pretty well. The year before in the Alabama game, he gets hurt. It takes him a while to come back. He, he's a little erratic when he does come back. But we have not seen a year in the Big 12 where he has not been injured, where he's not been hurt. And my question is, from start to finish, from Colorado State to Texas A&M, can Quinn Ewers stay healthy through the entire year in his first year of the SEC? God forbid if he were to go down again, are, is Arch Manning ready to take the reins over for Quinn Ewers? You know, look, I, I think it's not. it wouldn't be fair to Arch Manning. He's one of the most polarizing uh, players in college football right now, and he hasn't really even thrown or uh, 50 passes in college football. He hasn't really even done anything. But he's going to have to be ready because if you're going to tell me that we have the last two years of Quinn Ewers being hurt, what's to lead me to say that that won't happen to him again in the SEC? Quinn Ewers in Texas – could get through all of this and get through a Big Ten schedule or, or Big 12 schedule, excuse me, like they did last year when Quinn Ewers went down. I'm not a thousand percent sure that they could do that in the SEC, even playing a team like Florida, even playing a team like Kentucky. Now, Vanderbilt, it is what it is. And I don't think Arch Manning is as bad as some put him out, but I certainly don't think he's as great right now as some believe him to be. Like, I remember when Quinn Ewers went down and they had struggles, meaning Texas, against Houston with what might be a better overall team last year than they could have in this one. You can't play like you did against Houston last year or Kansas last year in the SEC because a team like Florida will clip you. A team like Kentucky will clip you. I'm going to just tell you what it is. A team like Arkansas will clip you. You cannot do that, especially when you're going to a, a rowdy place like Arkansas. I don't know if Sam Pittman will, you know, will be there as the head coach, but Bobby Petrino could, and you never know what can happen there. I've seen a lot of Texas fans saying that they're going to come into this conference and run it and, and do big things. I don't know if they run it, but I do think that they're going to be highly competitive. The one thing that I will say about this upcoming year if you have some of the same things that happen, like Quinn Ewers going down, having some injury in key places that you just can't have in the SEC, right now on paper, you look and say, man, Kentucky can't beat us. Man, Arkansas can't beat us. Man, Florida can't beat us. That's how teams in the SEC get beat every year. That's how teams like Tennessee a couple of years ago, LSU, A&M, Arkansas, Florida, Pretty much every team not named Georgia and Alabama the last couple years, that's how teams who who think that they have really good programs get clipped in this conference and get clipped in this league. And like, man, we lost a game that we're not supposed to. The issue with that, though, is, is if they lose one of those games, it's not as deadly as it once was. 
right? Because you have the 12-team playoff. I just think it's very interesting to me to see how they do in a better overall conference. But I look at what they've added. Okay, I, I think that Texas, for what it's worth, added some really good pieces. They added three really good receivers. They add Silas Bolden from Oregon State, who had 54, 54 catches for 746 yards a year ago and also got some rushes at Oregon State in a team that did not throw the ball around a lot. They go and get Isaiah Bond from Alabama, who quite honestly, down the stretch of the season, was their biggest weapon in the passing game. You remember the the play against Auburn. You remember the two plays, the massive plays that he made against Georgia in the SEC championship game. And what I believe was the catalyst at putting them over the top against Georgia in that SEC championship game. You had Matthew Golden from Houston, who has had 38 catches the last two years, has hadn't been in a very peculiar situation with Dana Holgerson at Houston, but had 584 yards two years ago and then 404 yards last year and had seven touchdowns in six this past year, or said seven touchdowns in 2022 and six touchdowns this past year in 23. The question for Tennessee, will, or for Texas, excuse me, will be this. How do they look up front defensively? Now, you got guys like Hill returning. You add a, a perennial five-star and a guy like Colin Simmons who will be, will be a pass rush specialist. But the biggest thing that Texas did this entire offseason beyond giving an extension to Steve Sarkeesian was getting Trey Moore from UTSA. Trey Moore has been a, a TFL machine. He has 35 and a half tackles for loss in the last two years at UTSA. Last year, he had 14 sacks, and then the year before that, he had eight. The question becomes, does a guy like Trey Moore have the type of success in the SEC like he did at UTSA? Now, he doesn't have to face guys like Will Campbell, who is the number one or probably and arguably the best tackle in the SEC, if not the country, uh, which pro football focus put Will Campbell as number one. I, I mean, he, he faces maybe, um, I mean, Arkansas, Nando Carmana, who will probably play left tackle for Arkansas. Yet maybe, I mean, you're going up against a good O-line in Georgia. Oklahoma has some decent pieces. I, I mean, I don't know if Trey Moore doesn't come into the SEC and do some really good things. I don't think he plays in that gauntlet like maybe some believe that he would overall for the university of texas i'll just say this i think that they are on paper coming into this you bring back a a fifth year quarterback in quinn ewers you bring back a really good offensive line you got a, a really good tackle in banks you've recruited well at receiver you've gone into the portal and added some really good pieces on at wide receiver you got some really good backs you have a really good backup quarterback with a high profile name you do have some dbs okay that um i do think ha have played well but i will tell you this the the biggest concern if i am a texas fan and look i'm gonna i'm gonna hear this in the comment section the biggest concern that i would have for texas is what they have in the secondary and what they have returning along the interior of their defensive line now, I know that they have recruited well. They went in the portal and got some guys uh, as well in the interior. 
But, man, it's a different beast and animal when you come into this league week in and week out. If you give up that many passing yards in the SEC to some of these teams, like if you let Carson Beck go off against you and your secondary plays a lot like they did last year, and I understand that you had a lot of young guys that were in that secondary, Georgia's going to pick you apart. I know that you make people make fun of Billy Napier in Florida. Go ahead and let your secondary play that bad like they did a year ago in the Big 12, I might add. And Graham Mertz is going to light you up. He did that against really, really good SEC defenses last year. I mean, this is not the same, this is not the same conference that you've been in the last year. You cannot. You cannot week in and week out. Well, Blake, we beat Alabama. Okay, that sounds great. Fantastic for you. In a one-week scenario, sounds good. But, man, I tell you, you got Oklahoma that I know you want some revenge on. You got Georgia. You better buckle up because this conference isn't easy. And anybody says otherwise is fooling themselves. I Look, to wrap this segment up, I'll just say this. I think that Texas is a playoff perennial team. I don't know if Texas – and there's not a rematch uh, in the SEC championship game between Texas and Georgia. I think that that would be your two favorites or should be your two favorites to to get to the – or get to Atlanta. But we'll just have to see. I mean, look, man, I'm not a 1,000% sure that that Michigan game's not one of the tougher games on their schedule. I mean, that's going to be a tough, tough matchup for them. Very, very tough matchup for them. So we'll see. All right, let me see some of the comments in here. Um, Jude said... If Florida towards Texas's secondary next year, the meltdown would be hilarious. Y'all, you think I'm crazy? Guys, Texas's secondary last year, statistically speaking, was horrible. And they said, oh, and they argue with me all throughout the season. Oh, you got to go by yards per attempt. No, passing yards allowed. We're, we're rating everybody on the same metric, right? Like we were grading everybody on the same metric. So, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I, I, their secondary was so bad. I mean, guys, like even – and I told them it, as much throughout the year, and they did not um, believe me. Let me look at this. I was, I'm, I'm curious because I don't remember um, what, the final, uh, what the final box score in line was that Michael Penix had. Michael Penix, 29 for 38, 430 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, guys, I'm telling you, they were abysmal last year. Abysmal. I, I would love to see what uh, Oklahoma had on them. I don't think Dylan Gabriel threw for as much, but he certainly did not have a bad game. 285, 38 passes, 285 yards, but Dylan Gabriel ran for 113. Quinn Ewers threw two bad picks in that game. So, uh, again, everybody looks at Texas and says to themselves, oh, man, they made the playoff. They're a really good team. They are a really good team. They're a very talented team. They also defensively, at times, got their asses kicked in the secondary. And nobody nobody mentioned that. 
They're like, oh, those stats are, are flawed. Those stats were never flawed. I saw Graham Mertz do some really impressive things last year. Your secondary is not like it is in Georgia. Now, I will say this. They got a lot of talented young guys that can develop and get better, and their secondary can be a lot better. We'll have to see uh, how that goes. All right. Um, let me do this because we got to talk about – I want to talk about Sam Pittman here uh, uh, as well. Um, and then we got to get to Gator Dave. All right. Have you ever – how do I want to say this? Sam Pittman in Arkansas might be one of those coaches who is on the perennial hot seat. I know that we talked about him a, a lot uh, on Rafino and Joe's show. But, you know, Sam Pittman staying in Arkansas, I think a lot of people were scratching their heads on, man, I, I thought he might get fired after he had a 4-8 and eight year last year um, out there in Fayetteville. But Arkansas comes in, and they and they bring back a familiar face at o, OC, at Bobby Petrino. And I got to tell you, I, I think, to just to start this off very clear, we're going to talk about Sam Pittman in this segment about the hot seat that he may or may not be on. He's clearly on it. I think that Bobby Petrino is a – hiring Bobby Petrino is a lose-lose for Sam Pittman. Right out the gate. Because if Sam Pittman and this team turns it around – and their offense is a lot better than they were a year ago, Sam Pittman is not going to get any of the credit. It's going to go to Bobby Petrino in that hire. Man, should, you know, maybe should, should we let Sam go and let Bobby Petrino take back over as the head coach in Arkansas? I can hear those rumblings in my head. I hear them in my sleep for all of you Arkansas fans every night. I think that is a lose-lose. But – We'll have to see how that goes. Sam Pittman is 23-25 and 25 at Arkansas. And last year, I thought, played better and was a better team than their 4-8 record. You know, K.J. Jefferson's no longer there. Uh, he's out the door. Uh, a couple of your good running backs that you had are out the door. One goes to South Carolina. Another one goes elsewhere. But you bring in a, a decent running back in Jaquinton Jackson from Utah. The biggest thing for Arkansas this upcoming year with Sam Pittman is what they are going to be able to do along the offensive line. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I do look at Sam Pittman and, and say, to, say to him, say to all the Arkansas fans that will listen. And I know that this athletic year that you've had has not been pretty good. You really need baseball to be really good this year, so you have something to really root for. I just don't know if Sam Pittman can get through the year. I don't know if Sam Pittman can get through the year. I think that a lot like what we talked about the uh, last or Monday and we talked about last week with Billy Napier, I, I just – and we'll talk about with Gator Dave here in just a moment. I, I think the two hottest coaches that – are the two coaches that have the hottest seats right now are in the SEC. One's in Gainesville and one's in Fayetteville. And I'm not sure – that Sam Pittman, his seat is not hotter than Billy Napier's. You know, last year, a lot of issues happened offensively, and a lot of people blamed Dan Enos for that, and even maybe rightfully so, blaming Dan Enos for how bad the offense was. But people also blamed Cody Kennedy, the offensive line coach, that Sam Pittman molded and 
and developed into being a really good coach. Now he's on his way and has been on his way and now is the offensive line coach in Mississippi State for an offensive play caller who's one of the best in the country. And Jeff- For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Flebby, the issues last year were Sam Pittman's and Sam Pittman's alone. Now, the injuries along the offensive line really hurt him. And if you have another year again where you have that many injuries up front, you're going to have a lot of the same non-success that you had a year ago. There's a chance that you can go 4-8. and eight. But I look at Arkansas' schedule and just say it's not an easy one. It 1,000% is not easy for them. They start off the season and – maybe they can get off to somewhat of a good start, but they play UAPB, okay, at home, but they go to Oklahoma State. I'm not a 1,000% sure right now as we sit, they can beat Oklahoma State in in Stillwater. I'm not sure of that. They play the Fighting Trent Dilfers the next week at UAB. Then they got to go to Auburn. I don't know if they can beat Auburn. I, I, I really don't. They bring in a really good quarterback in Taylor Green from Boise State. He is a, 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 a replica to some extent of K.J. Jefferson. But even the first four games in all of this, I'm not sure if you don't go two and two. I, I really don't know if you if you start off three and one, four and oh in your first four games. Then you got Texas A&M, okay, in Arlington. That game is always tough. I don't know if you don't have a better coached, better overall talented team in College Station more than Arkansas. But the stretch that's going to get Sam Pittman is easily clear here. Okay. They have, in order in the next seven weeks, they have Auburn, A&M, Tennessee, LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. A lot of those games are at home. You got A&M at home. You got Tennessee at home. You got LSU at home. You got Mississippi State on the road, but you got Ole Miss and Texas both at home. So of the next seven games, or those seven games, five of those are going to be at your own place. Now, last year, okay, they played so many games on the road. They had a whole month where they were on the road. Even though that all a lot of these games are at home, or A&M's not at home. Excuse me, that's in... Arlington, but it's somewhat of a home game. They will be the home team, at least from what their schedule says here. But you do have Auburn, you have AM, but you got Tennessee, LSU, Ole Miss, and Texas all at home. You got Louisiana Tech at home, and then you go to Missouri. So their schedule is going to be tough, and I don't think he can make it through it. Now, they do go and get some pieces along the offensive line. From the transfer portal, they get Kashawn Blackstone. They get Nando Carmana, who's probably going to play left tackle, and Blackstone will probably start at right tackle. And then Addison Nichols from Tennessee, that's probably going to have to start at center for you. You got some depth. You do get a little talent 
into that position group. I just don't know if Sam Pittman makes it throughout the year. If I had to guess, I think that Sam Pittman, maybe midway through the year, might get the axe and Bobby Petrino becomes your interim and see how that goes. I, I fully can see that. Sam Pittman had in year two after COVID and 21 had a good year. They went nine and four. But ever since that really that nine win season, they've gone seven and six, four and eight. And I just don't know if the talent's there. Now, defensively, they got they got a lot better and have some good pieces. Landon Jackson being the key figure of that. I just don't know if they have enough offensively even with Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator. I don't think they have enough to get to a winning season and, and getting to seven wins. I don't see seven wins for Sam Pittman. I don't think they can beat Missouri. I don't think they can beat Texas or Ole Miss. I don't think that they can beat LSU or Tennessee. I don't think that they can beat A&M or Auburn. Guys, that's seven losses right there. And by the way, they go to Stillwater – and I don't know, I'm not a 1,000% sure that they can beat on the road Oklahoma State. So we'll see. All right, let's do this. Let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag very quickly. Gator Dave joined us. We're going to go over to Gainesville and talk a little uh, Florida football. We did with him. It was pre-recorded, so you're going to see me wearing a different shirt. Uh, but it's all right. So let's go over to our good friend Gator Dave. And we'll be back short, shortly. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures head on over to bet online today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet use our promo code believe 50 that's believe 50 b-l-e-a-v five zero to receive your 50 percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit that's betonline.ag betonline.ag Joined here by good buddy David Waters, Gators Breakdown. He is back in live. And, get, and Dave, I got to admit, this has been one of the most interesting off-seasons, quote-unquote, that, that we've had, or our good friend Bill King says, non-playing portion of the year. <laughs> Let me start off by asking you this, because you broke the news with the EA Sports College Football, and then EA said not true, but then the week later said was true. I mean, how chaotic is that? Yeah, um, you know, EA Sports is right down the road. I'm in Jacksonville. EA right. Sports, where they're working on a game, is right down the road in Orlando. So, of course, a uh, little bit of little bit of connections there. But, that, hey, that is the plan. Could it change? All that? Look, we know how fast college football is changing. Uh, could that have something to do with a, you know, if they have to go off of a July 12th release date or something? Maybe, but that is the plan. The plan is July 12th, so... Uh, yeah, it's been kind of crazy since breaking that. It's probably been my most popular tweet ever. Nothing Gator related. <laughs> it's, that's the most popular tweet I've ever put out. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know, as long as nothing happens, that's still the planned release date. Uh, that that from from everything I've been told. So I know uh, everybody's waiting for it. Dave, can you imagine? I tweeted this out earlier today. Could you imagine? being in road to glory and going to like a G5 program and then going into the portal and asking for millions. Cause that's <laughs> the first thing that I'm going to do. I'm going to go like Tulane 
or somewhere small, get like a thousand, like a, a thousand touchdown passes, and then I'm going to go get my NIL money. That's what I think I'm going to do. What's well, that would be interesting. What is the first thing you do? Uh. I just want to see how the whole game plays, so I'm right. gonna, I'm gonna, I'll fire up a play now exhibition game and just see <laughs> how it all goes. Because look, I mean, I mean, it's been a decade since we've been without this game. I've right. played Madden very, very sparingly in the last ten years. I'm trying to get kind of more familiar with it now because you know it, it'll be somewhat similar to that. Uh, right. But yeah, I've just uh, I'm missing that. I didn't, you know, I didn't hack a hack a console on my PC to get college football revamped or whatever. It's been about 10 years since I've played a college football game. So right. I'm, I'm going to uh, get myself in the swamp and see everything and all the details they got right and wrong. I'm going to uh, probably take all of my frustrations out on Alabama being an LSU guy. <laughs> I think I'm going to put it on junior varsity and score like a hundred points in the first half and just like absolutely demolish him for all the craziness that they've done. Alabama fans, don't don't be mad at me. All right, David Waters gave his breakdown. Dave, hey, I can turn that around and just do Florida LSU since we can't get over that hump either. So, uh, I mean, you you can, you know. I mean, I, I, well, Dave. So this is interesting. Even getting into reality, you know, there's something I talked about yesterday. Florida and LSU from a 20 year span is a lot more alike than people give it credit for. LSU has one more national title in football. But if you want to look at it, I mean, Florida has had not so much recent success, but two years ago, Ed Orgeron was six and six, baby. I mean, it's not as if that this isn't like there's a lot of comparisons there. But let me ask you this, though, because there's been a lot of uh, of offseason talk with Billy Napier and his program. Where do you see it as as it is right now with with them? It's a critical year three. Um in a lot of ways and a lot of viewpoints, do or die, uh, year three for Billy Napier. And, you know, what does that mean? Um, if you want to go record-wide, everybody looks at that schedule and says, how in the world can Florida be any better when you look at that schedule? Uh, and right. Even Vegas says they might be better. It's a five-and-a-half win total. It's the same as it was last year. And everybody knows the schedule's harder. So right. if you want to dive into a 5.5 win total, all right, well, Florida might be better. But look, that's not going to cut it. I mean, this is year three. Doesn't matter how hard the schedule is. Doesn't matter coaching staff turnover. This is a roster you've built for this moment. Year three, you've got to take advantage. Uh, and if put it this way, if Florida is headed in the right direction, we'll know. Doesn't matter how hard the schedule is. If Florida is Florida, you go out there and you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. You know, you go out there and you in the losing streak to Kentucky, you beat Central Florida, you beat new coach Mike Elko in Texas A&M, you, you open up the season by beating Miami. You do those things. If this, ain't, if this thing is headed in the right direction, you win those type of games. And then, okay, then maybe you build some momentum. Maybe you get an upset in November that you're maybe not going to get. But heading into this, I mean, it is, it's year three. It's time, it, it, there's no more excuses. It is wins have to matter no matter how hard the schedule looks. You know, Dave, it's interesting. Because I think that even with what you just said, like they could be the best seven and five team in the country, <laughs> right? Like meaning like if Billy does get over that hump in reference to having a winning season, they, I mean, are we, and here's another thing. Are we a thousand percent sure a seven and five Florida, if they were to get there would be better than anybody that would get an automatic qualifier in the playoff in the big 12, depending on how these games play out. <laughs> so I do think it it's relative uh, to that. Blake, but, on your scenario, just just how weird would this be? You you just said seven and five. Go look at Florida's November. 
in those five games. What if Florida starts 7-0 and and then you lose to Georgia, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, and Florida State? How, how would that be viewed if you start 7-0, and but you look at that November, which is part of the toughest schedule I've ever seen. Those are teams that were fighting for playoff spots late in the season this past season, all finishing the top 10-ish to 15-ish in this past season. All of all them would have been in the playoffs this year, Dave. Exactly. Right. Every one of those teams would have been in the playoff. But if you start 7-0, which don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Florida starts 7-0. I, I, more likely how I see it playing out is, you know, they get somewhat of a hot start like they did last year, 5-2 and two going into Georgia, and then you get an upset in November somewhere along the way. That, that's probably how I see it playing out. I don't, I don't see a starting 7-0 and and then ending 7-5. and five. Yeah, I, man, I, I just don't – I don't – even if Dave, here's so here's the ultimate question. Even if he's six and six, but they're highly competitive against really good teams, does Billy get another year? I think so. I, I think six and six is that 50 50 mark. But I do think, I'm, and I'm looking at this from an admin perspective. Right. All right. This is, they will use the excuse of a, it was a tough schedule. They will use the excuse of, all right, we'll turn the page. You got your quarterback in DJ Lagway, who's supposed to be your guy in 2025. We'll give you one more shot. We'll give you one more shot because you just played not only a tough schedule in 2025, but probably the toughest stretch of a schedule that a head coach has ever walked into at Florida. Without doubt, without a doubt. And that's not an excuse, a full excuse. Don't get me wrong. It's not, but it is the reality. It, it, it is what happened. So, all right, schedule eases up. Eases up in 2025. We don't even know what 2025 schedule will look like right now. But and and, and you got your quarterback. We'll give you one more shot, one more shot to prove something. Dave, he's got to go two two and five in that uh, in that last seven game stretch. Probably something like that. Yep. Right. Like if he okay. goes two and five there and he upsets, uh, hell, I'll use my school. He upsets an LSU or an Ole Miss or whoever. I, I think he, he can buy himself some time. He does have a lot of personnel changes though. A guy that I'm a little bit familiar with, and Russ Calloway is going to be promoted uh, to OC. I, I, I've seen a lot of Gator fans, and you could tell me if I'm wrong or right here, that actually are a little excited about this. Maybe Billy gets, I don't want to say doesn't have play calling duties or how that's going to uh, uh, amount to, but do you think that Russ is going to have full play calling duties or is Billy going to still be the one calling plays? I think I lean towards Napier still calling plays. Okay. Um, I won't be completely surprised. I won't be completely shocked if he doesn't. I just think from everything that he has said about it, where he said he gets the pulse of his team, he feels better about his team when he's in that role. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he was asked about it on the, the official Gator podcast, you know, are you going to be calling plays this year? And he says, yes. And that was three weeks ago. Um, all right. Now, does that change? Um, he did also say they were still trying to figure out the responsibilities and the roles for the offensive staff. Um, apparently Callaway was getting conversations from outside of Florida, from NFL teams and other college 100%. teams that, that he might be, can you want to come be on staff for us? But would he stay at Florida and give those other jobs up if he's not the play caller? So that's why it does hang in the back of my head that maybe, maybe he will be, he, he will be more involved. No doubt about it. He'll be more involved. The rumor in the talk was he was more involved with Florida's pretty good red zone offense last year, that he was more in that role uh, last year for the Gator offense. So he'll be heavily involved. The way it works out on game day, I still lean towards Billy Napier uh, being the play caller, but, and I know we'll get into this in a second, but 
Billy Napier made some other hires that made you think he wants to concentrate more on the offense. So maybe it is a better thing if he is a play caller because you bring in Ron Roberts, who can be head coach of the defense. You bring in some more experienced special teams coaches and uh, and strength and conditioning coaches that can help out in those areas. Where Napier, if he in this do or die critical year, that's another aspect of this. Blake, is he going to trust somebody else to dig him out of this year three hole? Or is he going to put, I'm going to put it on my shoulders. I'm going to put it on my back. I'm going to do it my way. If we fail, it's going to be my way. I think there's a lot of angles to this. There is. And, and Dave, can I be, so here's how I view it as an outsider, even just looking in here. If you were to put a team in a tier, right? Like the last two years of teams in tiers, Florida could be a tier three, tier four team. They're the only team in those bottom tiers that can go from there to being in, in, in number one. Okay. Because I do think Florida is that program that the right situation happens. Watch out, buddy. Like we've seen it. Like this isn't something that we haven't seen. Right. I, I do agree with you with the, the thing with Billy. I, I'm interested though, because you bring up a guy that I know somewhat relatively well, because he's the head coach of Southeastern uh, and Ron Roberts. The head coach of defense makes sense of that for me, though. Is is Billy just not going to have? I mean, obviously he'll have say so, but it seems like he just is going to take his hands off of it and let Ron do do everything. Yeah, that's what it seems like, and also to help you know very young defensive coordinator and also Armstrong out who had to learn on the job. I mean, he was a defensive coordinator at Southern Miss before that, but we know this is a, a bit different, and right. so he had to learn on the job as a first time SEC defensive coordinator last year. And probably had to learn a lot more than he thought he did. <laughs> so, Ron Roberts comes in, comes in from Aubrey, a one-year stint at Auburn under Hugh Freeze. Baylor before that <clears throat> had a history with at Louisiana with Billy Napier before right. he took that Baylor job. So there was a a lot of familiarity here. So I think you know Billy Napier bringing in a, a look. It's fortunate that it happened. I mean, from everything I can gather, Ron Roberts wanted to leave Ole Miss or leave Auburn. It wasn't a yes. it wasn't a firing. Um, so he just wanted to get out of there for whatever reason. Uh, so can Billy Napier be the, you know, the, 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 the benefactor, uh, of that. And where it really, we come out of last season, we were thinking Austin Armstrong and all right, you hope he learned a, a whole lot last year, but now he's got a confidant. Now he's got a mentor that he can lean on. Uh, so the way Billy Napier explained it would be, you know, it was, it's head coach of the defense, but on Saturdays, Austin Armstrong will still be the play caller. I'm sure. Roberts can supersede. I'm sure he can give some insight or, or you know, whatever to that point. There's still a lot of questions. And, and Roberts even said last week on, on the Gators podcast that, you know, this spring, that, that's something we do have to figure out. This spring is going to be very important in how me and Austin work together. Dave, there just seems like so many question marks in Gainesville. Yeah. Right? Like so many things that have to be answered. Can you answer all of them? You know, like, can you answer all of the questions I mean, I know I understand that you have more uh, a little bit more than six months to answer them. But I mean, I, I get to a point where, you know, like, can you, you know, like, and, and is this a situation where you where you can? OK, David Waters Gators breakdown. Uh, Dave, when does Florida open up spring uh, spring practice? March 7th. So about, oh. about this time next week. Yeah. Same for for uh, for the, the Bayou Bengals. Uh, doors open, you go to practice. What's the first thing that David Waters goes and looks at? It, it's the defense. I mean, for all the talk, for all the headlines, the offense gets, and will Billy Napier be the play caller and all that? Do they need to take another step? Absolutely, they do. Uh, but do 
the defense has got to be better with the offense that have to carry them. That that that's where it's got to be. You can't go three years, and I mean, even dating back to Dan Mullen, that's four years, five years. You can't go that long without fixing the defensive side of the football. You know, I think we know a baseline for the offense. You know, we've seen enough in Billy Napier's two years. While not a perfect offense, it's been good enough. If the defense had been just as good, hot seat talk would be a thing of the. We wouldn't, we wouldn't even be talking about it right now. We're right. really talking about hot seat talk because the defense of, of Florida just has not been there. Uh, so, you know, it, to me, it's you've got to get this defense fixed. That's the number one thing to save Billy Napier's job, I think, is that defense has got to be fixed. It's got to it's got to catch up. you got to start playing some more complimentary football. I do think the offense has a baseline. Maybe could take another step with bringing back a Graham Mertz and his experience in second year in the system. Uh, but it's all about the defense to me if, you know, we're, if Billy Napier is to get over that hump. Let's... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Stay with Graham Mertz. I think he's a catalyst of get fair or unfair. He is the guy that's got to lead Billy Napier out of this hole. Dave, there was nobody last offseason that took more criticism from the quarterbacks in the SEC more than Graham Mertz. And all he did was he came out and threw for over 3,000 yards, 20-plus touchdowns, and only three picks. I got to be honest, as much as people said th negative things about him, I thought he played phenomenally in a lot of games. Even in that first game against Utah, I just didn't have a lot of things go his way. Were you surprised at how good Graham Merch played uh, last year? I was. Um, I, I didn't think he'd be terrible. I did, I did think Wisconsin didn't do him much favors uh, in that last year there, but – uh, at the same time, I, I didn't expect, you know, what, what we got from Graham Mertz. And now it's just about taking that next step. Uh, you lose Ricky Pearsall, your, your best receiver, but you have Trey Wilson returning, uh, who was a true freshman last year. So how much can you build on that? So, you know, they started using the tight ends a bit more last year as well. Uh, but you lose Trevor Etienne. So, you know, you, that's one of your most explosive playmakers. So is Graham Mertz in this passing game going to be able to make up for some of that explosive explosions that they may have lost in the run game? Uh, so yeah, I do think it's big that he's coming back. He's got a second year working with Billy Napier uh, in, in, in the system. So uh, he did surprise me last year. Uh, that next, I had him on the podcast back in December, and you know he admitted. And something I brought up: the next step is to you know start passing the ball down the field uh, a bit more. It was a lot of checkdowns. It was a lot of taking what the defense gives you and, and all that, which is all fine and good. But you know, if this def or this offense is going to take another step, it's getting that ball down the field a bit more. Yeah, ask Jane Daniels how that works. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Heisman. Um, what do they do? You talked about Trevor Etienne leaving and, and going to Georgia. Uh, a a two-part question here for you. Number one, uh, what was your reaction to Trevor Etienne going to a better rival in, in Georgia? And then number two, what do they do there at running back in, in that rotation, do you think? Uh, yeah, really stings that Etienne's going, as I said, but the most explosive player at that Florida black backfield the last couple of years. Uh, you do bring Montreal Johnson back, uh, but to right. see ETN go to your rival, and that, that's where it really hurts. I mean, mm -hmm. this is 
Um, you know, Georgia didn't recruit him out of high school. You know, Billy Napier identified him, brought him in, developed him, and now you know, it's uh, you're going to go see him play for your, your your biggest rival, and you'll have to face up against him uh, here in Jacksonville in, in you know late October, early November. Uh, so yeah, that, that's the sting part. It's not that you only lost him; it's that you got to go go up against him, and, and you know he'll have a lot more talent around him at Georgia. So we'll see the steps that he can make. But for Florida, as I mentioned, Montreal Johnson's there. Uh, this will be his third season at Florida to lead that group. Traylon Webb uh, at a Trinity Christian Jacksonville was a true freshman last year. He'll get a lot more carries, uh, of course, this year. He'll slide into that second role. Uh, and I think um, while not as explosive as ETN, I still think is another good option. And then uh, Cam Carroll from Tulane came in last year, tore his knee up. Um, right. He probably won't be going through a full full bore spring. Uh, but, you know, Florida's got Kanan Daniels, Jaden Ball, two true freshmen that will get plenty of reps uh, this coming up spring to try and be that third back all throughout spring practice. Two more for you here, Dave. Uh, number one, if, if you had to make a prediction right now, how the C and look, we're in February. So your opinions and thoughts are not held against you in, in February on what happens in the 2024 season. But how do you see this season playing out? Five and seven to seven and five. I, I have a hard time seeing much better than that because of the schedule. Now, if this defense takes some unprecedented leap, then maybe you, maybe you squeeze out eight. I mean, just given the schedule, it's hard for me to see any more than eight. But I'm see, I, you know, I'm even stretching. This defense has got to take a massive step to even get to eight. So, um, no better than seven and five. Uh, that's probably where I would put it. Um, I think that would certainly be enough to give Billy Napier another year and, and see what happens with, with, with taking over with DJ Lagway the next year. But just like it, it's hard to pick out specific wins and specific losses. But you you know take a look at the early season schedule. You got Miami, Texas A and M, Mississippi State. You know yeah. You, to me, you got to go three and zero in 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 that stretch. No doubt. Uh, no. Just to you know. You open up with Miami. Mario Cristobal, Billy Napier came in in the same years. They've had some recruiting battles over the last couple of years. So that's a big game for both programs coming in. Yeah, yeah. I think you want to get that, and also to quiet the noise. I mean, you can't go game one and go lose, and then all the noise just already just comes at you. Um, to get past that noise hump, um, then you got UCF at home. You can't lose to them as, as an in-state, quote-unquote, lower-tier school. You got to beat them. Um, and then, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky before you go in that rough stretch in November. So, you know, like I said, going into that in, in November, six and one, five and two at worst. And then you got to go try and steal some wins in November. I know you're going to hate this and I'm not going to ask you to respond because I, I, you cover the team. I spend every single penny if Billy does not make it through the year and go over to Oxford and say, what's up? He'd and, be my number one. Uh, you you can't you cannot spare any expense to go yeah. get him because I Dave I, I'm serious when I say this and and listen I don't I, I'm gonna get popped by LSU fans for saying this Lane Kiffin goes to Gainesville it's it's over for a lot of people it's a dangerous combo <laughs> it's a danger <laughs> and I know at one time he would have loved the Florida job I don't know if success at Ole Miss and you know. Florida not being Florida recently would change his mind or anything, but I know there's been heavy interest before. I, I think, it, look, and I used to be against. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Kind of. I, I, you know, I, I needed to see more from Lane Kiffin, but this new age of college football, and some people will say, oh, it's just another damn Mullen hire. He don't, he don't like to recruit. Well, I mean, seeing what he's doing in the transfer portal like he has to, um, I think he gets docked too much for recruiting and, you know, the, the, the like, but I think it, I think his attitude, his approach, his style of offense, I, I think I'd like it. Well, and another thing too, Dave, Mississippi, uh, they just don't have the, they don't, it's, it's, I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, Florida in-state recruiting versus Mississippi's is, is night and day different. It is drastically different i mean he can't he can't go he can't win by just recruiting high school in the state of mississippi he just right. he has to i mean he has to do what he's doing he has to do what he's doing and he did it so that is dave i gotta ask you this one question before i get you out of here i've been really vocal on this tennessee and nico imaya stuff in reference to look if he's on a plane with a booster Let's call it what it is. It's a recruiting violation. Don't don't try to, you know, sugarcoat me of what it really is. But what everyone seems to forget in all of this is that the NCAA is also allegedly investigating or looking into the Jaden Rashada stuff. What can you tell us on that? Uh, not much this has come out, but it certainly is. You know, and I, look, I think we knew once the Jaden Rashada stuff came out that this was probably going to come down the road at, at some point just because of the headlines and the headline of $13 million and if that's what he was promised and not promised or whatever, uh, not much since then. I, I do think the Tennessee case in the NCAA last week probably helps Florida a, a good bit. It seems like the NCAA right. doesn't have much teeth right now uh, to, to do anything. Uh, I know they're going to uh, appeal and we'll see what comes out of all that stuff. But, um, you know, for now, I, look, I, the way the NCAA is, if they come and find out Florida did some improper stuff that goes on there. They don't really harshly punish people anymore. They just don't. I mean, I think you, maybe you come to some agreement and the punishments are, I mean, look, Florida's made moves. They've gotten rid of staffers that might've been involved or not involved. I mean, it lets you know something's been there. Of course, Marcos Kester Walker, no longer with the program. Right. Uh, he was, you know, NIL director a little bit there at Florida. Uh, so look, obviously, I'm going to go behind, hide behind the fact that something went on. I just think in the end, I just don't think much comes of it. Maybe scholarship or two reduction, some pay some fine or whatever. But the days of getting a death penalty, even close to a death penalty, anything like that, that just doesn't happen anymore. Dave, I'm just, you know, Friday, I think, was a bigger hit than people realize in, in some senses. Like, because – for me, I don't like the NCAA. They have come down on the school that I root for, cheer for, and cover four times in the last seven years for things that are just like some things that weren't even true that wind up being resolved. But my, my whole thing in all this has been, Dave, you got to have somebody that investigates things that are going on in there against the rules. Like, I hate the NCAA. Hate them. Okay. They've made, well, they've made my life a lot, uh, living hell at times. But at the same time, I just, I guess I just get to a place where, like, Dave, who, in, if the NCAA is done, who investigates recruiting violations? Right. 
I, I mean, I, I talked to an SEC coordinator this week, and he tells me, hey, man, I know of a kid during the dead period that's on a plane going to talk to an NIL group in, in another state. Like, what, what do we do? Right. Like, there's nothing that we can do. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think it's a little a little insane that people just don't want things to be investigated. Am I am I nuts in, in my line? No, no, of no. I think so. Or you know, nothing's ever going to change. You'll have your same top teams that stay top teams because nothing ever changes. Uh, right. But um, maybe maybe yeah, at some point it probably is going to be up to the conferences to ask you to you know. Can you imagine Greg Zanke trying to tell an SEC team that he's hitting them with recruiting violations? <laughs> I mean, it just, it's not going to happen. No. All right, David Waters, Gators Breakdown, buddy. You've been a regular here. Thank you so much for your time. Tell everybody where they can catch all the things that you guys are doing. Yep, uh, at Gator Dave underscore SEC on uh, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, GatorsBreakdown.com or your favorite podcast platform, YouTube as well out there. Um, going to take one final look at the class of 2025 this week, you know, kind of get a peek. All right, that's our good friend Gator Dave that joined us. <clears throat> Glad to have him in here. Thank you all for joining us on this Around Your SEC Episode 3. We will see you all again next Monday. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.